Welcome to Advantage Over, the only global rugby podcast to help you become a better referee. Your host today is Keith Lewis. Are you ready? Time on. So welcome back to the Advantage Over podcast. Keith here and I want to start by saying sorry. Um, look, it's been way too long since I was last here in your earbuds and for that I'm sorry. Uh, I'm grateful that people have still been listening to the podcast. I can see the, the stats um, all the way through that time. I've looked back and it's great that people have been picking up and, and going back through the episodes to see what we've got covered and it's great to get feedback on those as they come through. So um, for that I'm sorry that we've been had a little gap. Um, but here on my whiteboard, um, I've got seven ideas mapped out already. I've got three already corded, so that should take us up to the summer at least. So I think it's fair to say that we're back. Um, but as ever, the podcast is about you, the refereeing community. So um, I'd love to know what you want to hear about. If you've been spending the last um, year or so listening to the back catalogue and you've got some ideas about what you'd want to hear, you think, oh, it'd be great to hear about um, this person or about this particular topic, then let me know. I'd really like to hear from you. Um, so drop me an email at keith at rugbyreferee.net and we'll get some of those added to the list if we possibly can. Um, like for many of us over the last few years, life has changed for a fair bit um, and it's been no different for me. Um, I've been through some work fun and games over the last 12 months, but I've landed now in a fantastic new job in the rugby environment. So fair to say I've got my mojo back. Um, and with that comes the podcast. And it's great to say, as, as I said, I've already got three episodes in the can. Um, and we're going to look at, over the next few episodes, a couple of the more negative sides of refereeing and rugby. But, um, I, but I didn't want to come back after a year with um, with a topic on as negative as that. So, so I'm going to bring to you now um, an episode that I recorded a little while back with Andy McPherson from Scotland Rugby. Um, we'll explain the new um, focus that Scotland have got on referee development. Um, since we recorded the, the interview, Andy's actually been promoted to the role of High Performance Match Official Manager. Um, and more recently you might have seen the news that um, JP Doyle, um, formerly of originally from Ireland but spent many years um, in the uh, Premiership here in England, um, he's taken a role um, with Andy um, and has taken over the responsibilities that Andy talks about at the start of this interview about the high performance coaching side of things. So um, Andy's the overseer of everything uh, referee related in Scotland. JP is going to be focusing on the um, management of the, the high performance officials within the um, the professional game up there. So that's a little bit of context. Um, it's really looking good for Scotland. Um, so let's see what the strategy is and what the future looks like. I look forward to being back with you very soon. Let's head over and speak to Andy now. Well, today I'm joined by Andrew McPherson, who's currently the Referee Development Manager at the Scottish Rugby Union. Um, as well as that, he's also a high-performance referee coach who's been working with some of Scotland's rising stars over the last couple of years, and I'm sure we'll touch on that as we go for the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Um, as you'll hear from his accent in a minute, Andrew's a native of, uh, of the West of Scotland Referee Society and, and refereed back in the day in the Celtic League, which was the predecessor to the Pro 12-14 and is now the URC. Um, and was one of Scotland's first full-time professional referees before moving into referee development in 2011. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Keith. Great to, great to be here. Cool. Well, thanks for being with us. I said, the reason we're speaking today that over the last few months, the, the Scottish Rugby Union have launched a new five-year strategy to support and develop match officials of all levels across Scotland. So I figured might as well get you on and have a, a bit of a chat around that. Um, I just want to kind of paint a bit of a picture and then look at some of the numbers behind it actually because let's start at the end 
I mean, if, as I was refereeing coming through the system, um, when I started refereeing 20-odd years ago now, and looking back at referee, the, the, the bygone era of refereeing, we had some great Scottish representation on there. The likes of um, Ken McCartney, I remember watching. Jim Fleming, obviously, four times World Cup um, referee. David Leslie, who I knew in my northern more than days, but some, some great names of Scottish refereeing, but then seemed to just stop and dry up. Um, and now we're back some... 16, 17 years later with Mike Adamson, Holly Davidson, Sangrove White, the names that listeners will be familiar with. What happened there and what, what, why the gap? Um, I think it's a great question. It's something that we've asked ourselves quite a lot about why that gap um, occurred. I think part of it was we probably just didn't look to the right areas for recruitment. We maybe, um, it wasn't for lack of trying either, Keith, I should yeah. say that. Um, there was there's plenty of us in the system and, and for whatever reason, we just couldn't couldn't quite make the breakthrough. Um, so there was, a, there was a move around kind of looking at professional coaching setup. Um, we, a lot of our work was with originally within sort of local society, local development areas, um, with the national stuff being to the side. So that was part of the reason is it was probably driven at a, a local society level. Um, and then we sort of turned that around and looked at a national side of things to try and help drive that that on to, to get back to where we we believe we belong essentially um but it wasn't it wasn't for a lack of trying it was it was probably just um we we maybe just didn't identify in the right areas at the time um, where, where some of our uh, colleagues and other unions did and obviously it takes a while to bring the, the folks through so we've got holly and mike great to see those um on the on the world stage again yeah no great i mean it, it does take uh does take a while to get back to it um, we've i think there's somewhere between eight and ten years is usually a kind of a guesstimate of how long it would take you from introducing somebody into refereeing through to hopefully tier one internationals and that's that's about the the time scale around particularly with mike at the moment it'd be about eight years mike's been involved with us so those time scales are, are relatively accurate around that but it does take time it takes investment um, takes a lot of hard work and, and the right support mechanisms around the, the individuals that you're looking to progress. And, and the document that you've produced over the last couple of weeks is, is re- it's a really good read for those listening. We'll put the links in the show notes so you can have a read of it yourself. It's, it's actually a really good read. It's a clear, clear what it's about um, and all those kind of things. So congratulations for a, getting it to a, something that the world can see, which is, is great. But one thing that struck out to me as I was reading it was that it really is about the whole of the game. It's not just about the elite end. What were some of the data points that you were, I guess, seeing as you were doing all that introversion piece and looking looking within as well? Going, what was what's going on with with Scotland, either the, the society the society system and uh, retention, attraction, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, look, it was really important for us that this was a this was a whole refereeing piece and not just focusing on one area because everything drives through from local local rugby, local referee societies right up to the top. And we've got to make sure that that's all inclusive and the size of our union where we, there's a lot of crossover between between both areas. So some of the, the key insights we had was that we have and ha- continue to have a bit of an ageing referee population. Um, we don't have that many female referees involved, although we've grown that uh, over the last couple of years. But there's still a lot of work to, to do on that. So what we were finding we were in the societies and at a national level was people were, were getting on in, in life or they found different interests 
um, and we weren't then backfilling that and, and refereeing needed to become a more attractive option um, across across a range of people, not just your traditional um, white males, I suppose. But, you know, we want to we want to increase females. We want to in, increase people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, etc. So that was a big driver for us to make sure that we were all inclusive across the country and and not just sort of focused on our traditional recruitment pathways, I imagine. I mean, that's a message that many listeners will reflect with whatever level they are, they're, they're operating in and whatever country we're in. Um, you did this during COVID as well. Did, you, did that play an element of the thinking as, as we were looking at it? I think, I think during the pandemic, it gave us an opportunity to reflect. Um, we had had discussions over the last couple of years prior to the pandemic about doing it because, and if I go back to your original question around why did we not have 16 or seven for 16 or 17 years we didn't have an international referee part of that was just the strategic element of it probably wasn't there as well and so we we've we've reached the point with with mike and holly and others where we we have got a bit of success and we want that to continue not just with them but become a sustained success so this was this was an area we've talked about for a while the pandemic probably like a lot of businesses and a lot of people it gave them a chance to reflect and to to really evaluate what we currently do and where we want to move on to and i think the strategy document is a is a culmination of that cool so, so let's take a look at the, the the document you've you've come up with with six objectives do you want to talk through i think we already touched on some of them but let's 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 just spell them out yeah, sure. So the first one is is always it's, it's the high level one of producing world class match officials to be an ever present, and that goes back to our earlier point around that gap between uh, Rob Dixon doing a, a Six Nations game and Mike doing one um, back in February. Like all unions, we want to improve the quality and consistency of match officiating. Um, we want to increase the number and diversity, as I mentioned, of of match officials to grow the game at all levels. Um, we, we also want to improve retention. We don't want to have people in the system for a couple of years and then for whatever reason we stop or they get to a certain level. We want to reinvest them and, and reinvest their skills, their knowledge, their their ability to, to help the next generation um, as, as they're coming through. Referee coaching underpins a lot of what we want to, mm. to improve on and, and really invest time. And, and we've got some wonderful referee coaches across the country. And we want to recognise that and continue to grow that really vital part of the game. Because without a good referee coach, as you know, you're not going to have good referees um, and good assistant referees. The other part we, we looked at as one of our targets was to streamline and strengthen match official governance so that we were all moving in the same direction from high performance into local societies, have clubs and schools involved, um, so that we're all we're all buying into this strategy. And the strategy was a was a, a working group of people, a cross section of people from high performance, local societies, women and girls, etc. And and that was really important for us, so that we had a we had a broad spectrum of of knowledge and skills feeding into this this document. Uh, one of the things that st- struck me as, as just probably need to explain for, for listeners is, I guess, the structure of Scottish rugby, because we've got a really wide community game across the, the different regions. But then we kind of, it, for those li- listening in England, we, there isn't that big gradual phase up as you go through the, the, the pyramid, if you like. It's, it's pretty similar to when I've been in South Africa refereeing things like that. You've got the community game and then suddenly there's nothing between the top of the 
the community game and straight into the professional level. So how is the, I guess, the Scottish system set up? Do you want to walk that one through? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so the, this, this, our, our system has kind of developed and expanded over the last few years. So in a traditional pathway, we have our local societies. We've got six local societies across the country um, who are responsible for, the, the obviously, the local appointments um, within our community and amateur game. We then move up into our national panels, so they would cover from Premiership down to National 3 um, and includes men's and women's Premiership. To bridge the gap then between the professional and the community game, we have Super 6, which is our part-time professional competition that was introduced just before COVID struck. We managed to get a few rounds of that. And that's this a part-time competition which is used as the stepping stone for players coaches, match officials to ready them for the professional end of the game and hopefully close that gap between the, the, the professional end and the international end and their domestic rugby. So that's the that it's a similar pyramid scheme in terms of you start with the, the wider base with local societies and then work your way up into the, the performance end of it. So that's Super 6 series. Now, I guess I've just been reading that that's going to be expanding to eight, possibly more in, in the future. That will kind of give people that kind of graduated pathway to, to leap through. That's the that's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah, look, it'd be great for the if the competition was able to expand. We it was the first competition back in Scotland after mm-hmm. after the pandemic. So we started back at the end of July with with that competition, and we had a had a straight run of 10, 12 weeks through to a, a finals day. And some of the quality of that rugby was was fantastic, and it, it stretched our match officials. Um, you know, it was, there was definitely times with experienced officials where uh, they they came off the park knowing they'd they'd been challenged in a number of areas. We we have a small group that we use to to um, to look after that tournament. We've worked really closely with the, the clubs and, and the franchises to work with their teams, work with their coaches, so that we're we're all pulling in the same direction for a, a quality competition that readies readies the group for for hopefully moving more of them on into professional rugby. And in terms of the timing of of that, it was great for the likes of Mike and Sam and Holly and Ben to prepare for URC and, and test matches as well. So there's two strands to it. It was it was really great to, to have that competition and and the hope is we expand that and we, we we grow the number of match officials involved in that to to get our, our pathway to the top. And does that bring through some of the the opportunities for the wider rugby base to see refereeing as a, as a, as a route through or an opportunity to get into refer- the refereeing side of things. Where where are the next bunch of Mike and Holly and, and those guys coming from? How how are we going to attract them into the game? Yeah, look the the work that we're we're hoping to achieve through this strategy is exactly that. We want to make it a more attractive option for people post playing or even as they're thinking about, oh, actually, maybe I could progress higher within match officiating than I might do as a player, we would welcome with welcome them with open arms because we, we want to attract more people with, with great rugby knowledge and enthusiasm into our system. And the, the Super 6 competition does that. We, are, we work really closely with the clubs. Um, and I'm hoping through more interaction with our current match officials, with the players, it will start to be seen as an alternative career for them if for whatever reason they're stopping playing or considering stopping playing match fishing match officiating would be their next move and we would be delighted to have that 
And what are the what are some of the, I guess some of the practical things that you're planning to do over the next five years to 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 give that offer of a an alternative way of staying involved? Is it, are you looking at paying? I know that's often a conversation that crops up in, in the community level. Is it is it kit? Is it pod work? Is it what's the thing that's going to help people bring them in? Yeah, look, the, the payment's always a, an interesting <laughs> uh, an interesting one, and there there are pros and cons to that. There's no doubt. Um, the pros that you're you're actively rewarding the the work and the effort that people in p- people put in, not not just for the eighty minutes on match day. It's the the level of detail in mm-hmm. the preparation work, the level of detail in the in the post match review work that that we're requiring. It's the meetings in between competitions etc so there's there's a lot it's not just uh, not just the 80 minutes on the on match day that that goes into that the cons are that you we maybe you know are people in it for the right reasons mm-hmm. you know if they're in it for the money is that always the right the right way of of attracting people clearly there needs to be some reward for for the effort that goes in everybody loves a bit of kit um <laughs> at the start of every year i think you know, my wife is always tearing her hair out when the when the new kit bag comes in, and she says, "Well, that's almost the same stuff that you got last year." <laughs> so we've got a different sponsor this year, so we need to we need to refresh it. Um, so yeah, kit and, and rewarding our volunteers in that way is always always a nice way of being able to say thank you to people. Um, and yeah, just the, the the opportunities that we can offer. We obviously during the pandemic we had to put a pause in our exchange system, but. Mm. We've we've had really great exchanges with with Japan for their top league, South Africa, um, France, and, and Italy, and things like that. And that's another way of just kind of expanding and and offering people an opportunity to experience different rugby, but help their development and say, look, this is what we're offering you at the moment. But if you continue to work hard and show growth and development, this could become the norm for you. Uh, in terms of travel and things, and we, we've talked, I think, predominantly about the, the male game and the the, the men's sport. Um, every week on the uh, on the appointments roundup that we do on a Thursday night, we we post the um, you very kindly share the, the appointments for the, the women's league championship as well from from your side. Is that a big drive for the Scottish Rugby Union as well as everywhere else in the world to bring more women into the into the game? Full stop. But clearly, then from a, a refereeing angle as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Scottish Rugby have, have launched a wider business strategy um, where the three main strands are women, winning and welfare. Um, and we want to make sure that we're we're uh, inclusive and diverse in what we do. So the Women's Premiership, we, a couple of years ago, we, as a na- on a national level, um, f- wanted to uh, offer better support to, to that level of rugby. And that's why we treat that exactly the same way that we treat the men's premiership. And we appoint teams of three, we appoint people from our national panel to that. Um, and that's helping, hopefully driving up the standards within that competition. We would we are absolutely keen to to have conversations with the female players and 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 offering refereeing as a an alternative strategy for them. And there is an enormous growth potential within within women's refereeing and within women's rugby generally. And we we don't look on it as any different. We look at it as totally inclusive. And if I use Holly as an example, we look on Holly as a referee. We don't look at her as anything else. And we just look at her ability, her potential and her performances and, and judge her on that. And that's how we would operate regardless of who it, who it was. Um, and 
both Holly and Mike came into refereeing from the playing, from the elite playing side of things. Um, I think that is referencing the strategy. That is a still an element that you're going to look at. How do you balance out that attraction from the pro players, the injured pro player route versus those who have, who come through starting at Hoyk and build and build their way up through the community game? Is that there's, there was that split, isn't there, between the oh I'm not going to make it this far because you've got X scrum half lined up to, to take that slot. No, absolutely. And, and one of the things I'm really keen and we're, we're keen as a business is that we have those two pathways. There's always a requirement for your traditional pathway. You do a an introduction to match officiating course. You start off down in the kind of lower echelons of, of rugby and you work your way up. And, you know, I did that. Sam Grove White did that. Yes, there's always going to be people fast tracking, but one of the things I'm really clear on is that it's it's got to be the right cultural fit as well, mm-hmm. so that nothing comes as a surprise. We don't just bring people in and and they overtake people and we forget about our traditional pathway. There's still and will always be a, a need and requirement for that traditional pathway as well as the accelerated um, pathway for for players who who bring a great deal of game knowledge and understanding and. If I'm honest, I could probably learn more, you know, as much from a, a player uh, in terms of how the game's played and trends in the game as hopefully we can pass on to them in terms of refereeing side of stuff. Great stuff. So a, a dual track approach. Absolutely. And, and that's really important. We can't, we can't favour one over the other. Um, and that comes down to the management of, of things. That's the really important part, I believe. Okay. Can I just turn slightly now to the referee coaching side? Obviously, that's your, but you've also got that in your personal armory as well as everything else. Where yeah. are you going to get these referee coaches from? Who's who are they? Given that you've had that, I guess the obvious candidates haven't been there because you haven't had that kind of six. You had that sixteen-year gap in having the the ex pros turning turning coach. I guess they might still be there. Yeah. How? What's the what's the approach to d- those match official developers or coaches? Um. So we we've we've got a. a a strong group of people who have operated in and around the kind of top echelons of our domestic competition for a while. And they're, they're working really hard with our next generation to bring them up to the levels required for those competitions that they're involved in. We've got one or two people that have refereed professional rugby. So Neil Patterson, um, who currently TMOs as well, he's helping do some of the high performance uh, referee coaching as well, which is which is fantastic to bring that knowledge on. We've got a little bit of work to do around um, our four full timers doing some work with uh, through mentoring, through reviewing with with our next generation, and they're a close knit bunch, so it kind of all seamlessly works together, and they and they, they help each other. Do a bit of coaching. So that, those are the four full-time referees. So of course, Mike, Sam, Holly, and Ben will do a bit of work with uh, the next level down as well, and pass on their their knowledge and their expertise. So I think the coaching comes in a number of different ways. It's we, you know we do try to identify an individual and and match them up with the right referee, if you like, in terms of that personality working together. The they work well together and we don't have a clash of of, of those personalities because sometimes you get that where a referee coach and a referee for whatever reason they just mm-hmm. it just doesn't gel and we've got to be mindful of that and making sure that the ultimately everything we do is about making sure that the referee and the officials achieve the best level they possibly can so we're looking at, i would look at referee coaching from a number of ways yes the again the probably the traditional you've refereed at this level 
so you've got a great num- amount of knowledge, but that doesn't always have to be the way because there are some really great people out there who may not have refereed at a particularly high level, but their skill set or their other job, you know, we've got XP teachers, for example, who come in and do some coaching. And, and because that's just what they're used to, it adds a great a great value to our overall referee coaching program. And are you building psychological support into the program as well? Yeah, we've um, we've been using a sports psychologist, uh, Dr. John Mathers at Stirling University for the last, oh, back since I was a full-time referee, so whenever that was, probably over the last 14, 15 years. Um, he's, a, he's a mental skills, that's his sort of um, specialist area, and he works across a number of sports, golf, football etc and he he does a lot of work with our our top match officials um and i'm i'm a big supporter and a big believer that that will that will really help us move on and continue to move on because it's a it's a real specialized area i don't have the knowledge Mm. um although john was my lecturer at university i don't have that knowledge to be able to do the the sports psychology bit it's like the strength and conditioning you've got to go to look for experts but we are we are firm believers that that sports psychology is a big part of what we what we do and it adds value to our program. It's amazing how how that conversation is cropping up on more or less every podcast in some way, shape, or form. So the psychological approach and resilience. We've, we've all been through the pandemic and all the stuff that we have to do as volunteers in the game to get through, and then we have to rock up on a Saturday or Sunday and and perform um, at whatever yeah. level we're we're expected to. No, no, absolutely, and I think look, people. As I said earlier, I think people they see the eighty minutes and they make a judgment on that. It's it's the it's the work and support that goes on in the background to prepare those athletes for those eighty minutes that understandably people don't people don't see, but there's you know, there is a lot of work and there's a lot of support and a lot of professional knowledge goes into preparing these people for, for whatever level of rugby they're they're doing. Speaking of professional knowledge, seamlessly into the questions that I didn't share with you beforehand, but it is a, it is a, it is a great link. Um, one of the things that comes through the strategy jock is, is a formalisation of the CPD process. Um, it's not something that I, I think I've come across in too many conversations like this on the podcast. Talk to us a little bit about what you think that might look like and actually why. Is it, is it a... I mean, I, my day job is in PR and social media, so as part of that, I have a professional CPD process that I have to do every year to make sure I retain my accreditation. Mm. Is that bringing, I guess, what we're all expecting from a professional perspective into into refereeing, and how might that look? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess traditionally you would, you would do a course, um, be it a, a level one refereeing course or a level one referee coaching course, and then you'd be... Um, assessed in inverted commas if you like for what you were like on that given day of doing the course and you might attend a society meeting you might attend a national conference but it was very much kind of ad hoc whereas now it's a continual learning the game moves on so quickly and and skills move on so quickly and we need to make sure with our volunteers and our you know our coaches etc that we are continuing to upskill them so that they continue to add value to the work that we're doing with the match officials. Everything's about the match officials mm. on the field. Everything we do has to be about making them better. And to do that, we need to make sure we're continuing to develop our educators, our developers, our, our referee coaches over the course of a year, two years, three years, so that we're not just leaving them in 
And just because you did a course 10 years ago doesn't mean to say that you're still great at it now because things things can change. Um, and that that's to kind of bring us a bit more in line with, I guess, with, with coaching in teams and, and coaching players and just continuing to, to upskill and not leaving our volunteers out on their own and, and assuming they're doing a good job. Because we've got a lot of knowledge and we need to make sure that we pass that on and and, and bring people with us so that we've got a, almost a Scottish way of doing things, if you like, as long as it's in, within line with well, rugby EPCR, that we're not we're not mavericks and going out in our, our own direction with stuff. So do you have an idea now? So you're just at the start of a five-year process, so I'm not expecting... You may not have the answer to this yet, but from a, if I'm a referee in, in Edinburgh, what does the CPD look like to me um, as we go through? Is it a one-off series event online, face-to-face? What does it look like? I, I, th- I think with the world the way it is, I think it'll be a mixture of both, Keith. I think we will, we've, we've certainly looked at and talked about hybrid models. One thing that we're pretty keen to, to initiate more regularly is, is on-field CPD. I think for referees, a lot of the time, the only chance they get to practice is in a game, which for the 15 people in each team isn't isn't always the great the best time to do it. So what we'd like to do, and, and I've done this in one of my previous jobs within the West of Scotland Society, was we went to a local club and we brought 20 referees down and we refereed practical sessions. We did peer-to-peer feedback the coaches, the team coach and the players gave a bit of feedback about what they would like to hear from a referee, um, some of, you know, in what the game, how the game's going to be played, et cetera, et cetera. So we would like to see a lot more on-field CPD rather than the sort of traditional, you go to a meeting once a month, you look at clips, traditionally you look at clips from internationals and, and that's not always relevant to the, the, the people that you're talking to. So, Yes, people want to talk about the big decisions from <laughs> Wales, Australia, for example, but they also want to know that the, the, the CPD they're getting is relevant to the level of rugby that they are operating at. And one of the ways we can do that is is working with our local clubs through our regional network to, to, to get more interaction on the field outside of your traditional Saturday 3pm kickoff. I guess that also brings in the question of... Um how that's resourced and who who delivers those cpd sessions is that is that something you're obviously investing in as well as a, a ground a ground level resourcing perspective yeah so we are we're in the process of um re-accrediting if you like our, our match official workforce uh, because obviously through the pandemic there's been a pause on any any work being done yeah. around courses and stuff so we're taking this opportunity to not only reevaluate our courses, but also make sure that we're re educating is maybe not the right word, but just bringing them back up to speed and making sure that they're still delivering uh, and, and getting the best out of these courses. Within our rugby development department, there's a, a change around. It's now going to be called game development. So there'll be a lot more closer interaction between um, game development managers, which were our old coach development managers and our referee development managers. So there'll be a, a closer work and alignment around that. We'll work closely with our club DOs and with our wider regional network so that it's we're utilising skills from different areas rather than just the match official team doing everything but not necessarily having the skills to do it all. If there are other people there that have the skills that can help in certain areas, then that's what we'll we'll look to do. 
And that brings us back to the whole the whole game message that you started out at, which I think is is, is really um, a good way just to to wrap up this conversation. I, I guess the the final question is a, is more of a future gazing one. So when we look at this in twenty twenty six. Um, how what, what does it look like now? We're, now we're in twenty twenty six. You've been through the five year year strategy. What what am I what am I seeing, and how are we feeling in Scotland? Well, hopefully we're all feeling happy. Um, we have a more we have we have higher numbers. We've got diverse diversity across the board. Um, we have a steady stream of talented individuals at all levels of the game, and we have you know, more than one male and one female within the tier one international system. That's that's the dream in it. And it is very much a, a, a whole game system. One one part can't operate without the other part. Um, so we we have to make sure that's that's where we are. We we want to achieve um, that whole game and, and yeah, the diversity, the numbers, um, the coaching, the referee coaching being top level um, to, to support all of that. And and a strong network off the field to support the the on field network. Fantastic. Well, we'll get you back on in twenty twenty seven. Maybe at the uh, in the uh, the Australian World Cup, we'll meet somewhere somewhere around the side of that, and we'll look back on this episode and see where, see where we've got to. But and, Andrew, yeah. thank you very much for being on the podcast uh, this week. It's been great to to hear the story and to hear the strategy. As I said to anyone listening, we will um, put the details and the links in the show notes for you to to click out and have a look. But thanks for being with us. Pleasure. Thank you, Keith. Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from RugbyReferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews, wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, We'd also um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, about this podcast This is the only Rugby Referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments, so please let us have them. Um, You can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.net website um, or through Twitter at rugbyreferee.net, which is the same handle you'll find on Instagram as well. We're in all those places, so please do let us know what you think, let us know what you want um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future. So for now, that is Advantage Over.